And good morning if you're in the Americas, good evening if you're in Asia, and greetings and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you from Jerusalem. Today we're having our third and final session of a fascinating topic, and it's one that while I've been involved in helping the church understand Israel for over 30 years now, I'm learning as Dr. Jürgen Bueller is talking through 10 reasons to support Israel and going into the biblical basis behind all of these reasons. So once again today, we're going to finish the final points of this. I hope you're ready to take your notes like I am. And greetings, Jürgen. Well, thank you so much, Barry. And it's uh, indeed a joy for, to, to share the word of God with us and uh, let us uh, open the session uh, in prayer and father i do ask you that you anoint my lips today to share what is on your heart that you give me the capability to share that that you want to be communicated be a guardian before my lips and i ask you also everybody who is listening either on the zoom call or later on on youtube or other channels that you anoint their ears to hear what your spirit has to say to the church today. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was indeed quite a journey that we went through over this last couple of weeks. And uh, we spoke about 10 reasons why to bless Israel and what's supposed to be a two-part series. Uh, we very quickly found out we will not be able to do that in just two parts. But uh, we had... Uh, we decided to divide it over in three parts. And even there, I realized, even as I prepared for today's session, that probably more time would be needed to go into all the details uh, that are relevant for the subject. But looking back on what we have seen is that um, the first session, in a way, you can say the, the, the category of reasons that we, we gave that why God encourages us and, and, and asks us to bless the Jewish people, the first three reasons, they were embedded in the very character of God. It has had to do with about who God is. Remember, we spoke about Ezekiel chapter uh, 36, where the Lord said repeatedly, he said, I'm going to do that for my namesake. Uh, we spoke about uh, the character of God being a covenant-keeping God. And in a way, we, we, we have seen that God is doing what he's doing today with Israel, mainly because of who he is and who his, his character is. And this gives us such a great hope also to the church that we know that every promise that the Lord has made to us, he will keep those promises in the very same way how he's faithful to Israel. He will be faithful to each one of us because even though we are unfaithful sometimes, that's what Paul says to the church in Thessalonians. He says, he will always remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. So it was the character of God. The second uh, session that we did last week, 
um, was based on the very calling of God, that God placed a very unique calling on Israel and that he asks us to respond accordingly. Number one, he's asking us to uh, be thankful to Israel because uh, they are the ones who gave us the word of God. They are the ones who gave us their Messiah. We have seen there is a calling upon Israel that is different to all the other callings. And we spoke about Romans chapter 10, where we, we do where we, chapter 11, where we did see that Paul is admonishing the church. He says, don't forget the roots in which you have been crafted in. And to be aware that the people that we are blessing, the people that we are dealing with here in Israel as ICJ day by day, this is in a way a nation that gave us the spiritual roots for our faith, the word of God, they gave us their Messiah, etc. So today, then in this last session, um, um, I know there are people which might have said, well, we always thought when we are speaking about Israel, it has to do with prophecy being fulfilled. And those first two sessions that I made last week and the week before, it is so important to understand that uh, when we talk about Israel, it is so much more than just that we see uh, prophecy being fulfilled. Somebody told me, I, know, I remember many years ago in Germany, he says, well, we need Israel because they are the dial of God on God's end time clock. So others uh, might say it a little bit more sarcastically. They are maybe just a pawn on God's chessboard where a bishop needs to go from C4 to um, uh, G7 or whatever the, the numbers are in order to fulfill his purposes. But it's important that the restoration of Israel is not just about prophecy being fulfilled and about end time timetables, but it has to do with the very character and nature of God. And it has to do with the very unique calling that God placed upon the Jewish people to be a blessing for all the nations of the world. They are so important. But today we are going to speak about what you would call the prophetic aspect. Uh, the, the, the general headline of uh, what uh, I would give today, and there will be three reasons emerging out of that, is that it is the season to do it. We have arrived in the season to bless the Jewish people. And in order to explain that, let me go a little bit back in time to the time of Yeshua when he was in Jerusalem. And uh, I believe you all know very well the uh, so-called Olivet Discourse. It was the teaching that Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives. Um, you read this very powerfully and very descriptive in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 24. And also we, you will have a, a longer chapter in chapter 21 of the book of Luke, which I'm going to read today, where God speaks about the last days, about the times of his coming. Um, the context of that, uh, you read this in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples were walking out of the temple with Jesus. And um, the temple in Jerusalem, I just for those of you uh, who didn't live yet at that time in Jerusalem, which I believe everybody on that call didn't live at that time, but historians, they, write, they tell us that the temple in Jerusalem was one of the most beautiful buildings in the whole world. Um, the Roman uh, historians, they even said, you didn't really see beauty if you didn't see the temple of the Jews in Jerusalem. 
um, the Talmud and also Josephus that they tell us that it was a bright white building full of marble, full of gold. And uh, even on a daylight like today, when the sun is shining, there are no clients. It was blinding to the eyes to come to the temple platform because it was such a spectacular building. The Jewish people have been really proud of this amazing architectural masterpiece that God gave them to worship their God. It was the dwelling place of the Shekinah of God. And as the disciples were walking out with Jesus from the temple, and they might have walked out these southern steps, which is, by the way, where we will take the Feast of Tabernacles uh, this year, where we want to represent your nation to the Lord during Sukkot. So please make sure that you register for the Feast of Tabernacles, that right there at the gates of the temple, we will present your nation to the Lord. And they were walking out those, most likely the southern steps, the main entrance area of the temple. And they were talking to each other, and they made a comment to Jesus, saying something like that. It says, Jesus, didn't you see our temple? Isn't this an amazing building? The Gentiles are right. We have one of the most beautiful houses of worship in the whole world. And then Jesus turned to them. And what he said now, this must have been like a hit in the stomach, in the belly of those of his disciples. He says, I'm telling you of this temple, not a stone will remain over the other. And it's quite interesting. If you know a little bit Jerusalem, like we do, Barry and I, we actually, uh, Barry was there just a few days ago to look at the site where we are going to have the Feast of Tabernacles. They came out of those steps. And then it says they were walking all the way over to the Mount of Olives. And on the Mount of Olives, which is easily a 15-minute walk from there, they were starting to speak again to Jesus. That means they have been in utter shock. And they said to Jesus, wait a second, are you really sure about that? When is this going to happen? And for them, it was clear when the temple will be destroyed. This will be the end of everything. And he said, when is, when is the time of your coming? What is the time of the end? Explain all that to us. And then he gave them in Matthew chapter 24 and in Luke chapter 21, and also in a passage in the, in the Gospel of Mark chapter, I believe it is chapter 11 or 12, he gives them the Olivet Discourse. And I want to read just one passage to you where Jesus speaks about the last days. Chapter 21 in the book of Luke, chapter 20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let, let, let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it. For these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be a great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. It's quite a precise uh, prophecy that Jesus gave his disciples here, and uh, time is not enough today to go into the details of that, but it was world by world uh, fulfilled um, 
on um, what in what Jesus says. It's quite amazing what Jesus said. It almost looks like a contradiction in itself. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, that means when you see there is a siege in Jerusalem, says don't get out of the city and don't go up to the countries. Let not those who, uh, um, then if you want Judea, excuse me, flee to the mountains and let those who are inside the city depart. Let those who are inside the city depart. And you might say here, wait a second, Jesus, you just said Jerusalem will be surrounded by the nations. There will be a siege. And now you are telling them to depart from the city. And uh, the purpose of every military siege is to prevent exactly that. Uh, they put a siege around a city that you cannot enter nor get leave that city. That's the purpose where armies uh, put a siege there. But history tells us there's one writer in particular, Josephus Flavius, and he informs us that in the year 69, Vespasian came with his troops to Jerusalem. He surrounded Jerusalem. He was just about to capture the city when a messenger arrived from the city of Rome. And they said, quickly come to the city of Rome because the emperor in Rome died and you might be up to be the next emperor. And uh, he, he received that message and he handed over the command of the troops to Titus, his son. And he told his son Titus, you take care of the city, you wait until you hear from me, because we don't know what is happening in Rome right now. This was times of uncertainty. And it was exactly like the messenger told him he became the emperor of the Roman Empire. And the very next day after his coronation, he sent a messenger back to, the, to his uh, son Titus. He says, now finish the city of Jerusalem. Now, in the meantime, between the departure of Vespasian and him becoming emperor, history tells us for a few weeks, the city became open. And church history tells us that many of the early believers, they remembered what Jesus told them. The city was surrounded. They said, this is the opportunity. Let's go out. And they moved to a city called Peela, which is today in Jordan. And they escaped uh, this catastrophic times. When Titus then destroyed the city, he fulfilled exactly what Jesus said. Um, he, he, as a matter of fact, he gave the command to preserve the temple. He says, don't touch the temple. It is such a beautiful building. It would be a shame if we would destroy that. But in the, in the fever of uh, taking and, and, and sacking a city, one of the Roman soldiers, it is reported, he threw a torch into the temple, and within seconds and minutes, the entire temple was aflame. And because the entire temple inside was, was covered with gold, the heat of the fire melted the gold of the temple, and it was flowing between the cracks of the stone. And in order to get hold of the gold, the, the gold of the temple, the soldiers removed one stone after the other. And you see this even at the excavation today, at the area around the temple, how they were throwing one stone after the other from the temple mound in order to scratch out the gold uh, to take this as the booty back to their uh, to their home country. So the world was exactly fulfilled. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, when this is starting to happen, verse 22, he says, these are the days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. 
Jesus says, when you see this happening, he says, this shouldn't catch you on surprise, but what you will see, you will see things being fulfilled before your eyes that the prophets for, of old already foretold you. And there are quite a number of passages that I could read to you um, about this time. One of the most prominent one, of course, is in the book of Daniel, where the prophet Daniel speaks about those 70 weeks that are assigned to the city of Jerusalem and to the Jewish people. And here he says in verse 26, and in, in, in the uh, in, in verse um, um, I'm, I'm just reading it to you, maybe from the, let me see, I'm, I'm struggling to find the passage here. Excuse me. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, where it says here, and after, 60, after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off. And all Bible commentators, Christian Bible commentators, they agree that the anointed who was cut off, it speaks about Yeshua, about Jesus who was killed. After 62 weeks, an anointed shall be cut off. The Hebrew word for anointed, by the way, is Mashiach, Messiah. And he shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who has come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. It shall, its end shall come with a flood. And to the end there shall be, and to the end there shall be war, desolations are decreed. And it says in that time when the anointed will be killed, there will be foreign armies coming into Jerusalem and they will destroy the cities. And it says, desolations are decreed. Decree. This is one of the prophecies that Jesus was referring to. He says, this is a time of vengeance of the Lord in order to fulfill all that the prophets have said. I want to read you another passage in Jeremiah chapter 16, and please write that down, and we will come back at the very end of our session today to that prophecy, Jeremiah chapter 16. It is another prophecy of judgment of the Lord against his people Israel, and it says here, and I'll start reading already verse 15, O Lord, you know, you remember me and visit me, take vengeance for me on my prosecutors and your forbearance take me not away know that for your sake i bear reproach your words were found and i ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight uh, excuse me i'm reading you verse 15 i'm a little bit uh, confused i have to confess i had yesterday my second shot of COVID vaccine and i do feel a little bit sick but we go to chapter 16 verse 16 today behold i am sending for many fishers declares the lord and they shall catch them and afterwards i will send for many hunters and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rock for my eyes are on their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed before my eyes. But first, I will doubly repay, repay their iniquity and their sins because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols, and they have filled the inheritance with their abomination. It's quite important, the Lord says, I'm going to deal with the people of Israel, and they will have to pay double for their sins. And we will see at the end this passage 
will come back again in the prophet Isaiah. And one more passage I would like to read to you, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, because it is very powerfully fulfilled by Jesus in the last days. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 7. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 7, and the following. And here the prophet says, it speaks about the uh, the days when the Lord will um, um, restore Zion and when the, restores, the Lord will restore Jerusalem. And then we come to chapter 13. And here in chapter 13, we are going to read, Awake, verse 7, Zechariah 13, verse 7, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who stands next to me, declares the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. I will turn my hands against the little ones. In the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish, and one-third shall be left alive. And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refines silver and test them as one test, tests gold. They will call upon my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. Now what God's, what the Lord prophesies, he says there will come a time when I am going to strike the shepherd. In a, in, as a matter of fact, he says it's a command to the people of Israel, strike the shepherd. And this very verse, Zechariah chapter 13, verse, verse 17, Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, it is quoted by Yeshua when he was in the garden of Gethsemane and when the soldiers came and arrested him. And he told the disciples, you can read this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 31. He says, in this action right now, this prophecy was fulfilled in front of your eyes. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. It was fulfilled that they took Jesus. They have beaten him up before Pilate, before Herod. And then also we know, of course, that the sheep were scattered. The disciples, all of them left Yeshua, except of John, who stood with Yeshua from a distance. Jesus says this will take place. They will strike the shepherd. Remember Daniel chapter 9, it speaks about uh, there will be a cutoff of the anointed one. And then it says, in the whole land, declares the Lord, two-thirds shall be cut off and perish. And it's quite interesting if you study history books. The, there were three emperors that had conquests in, within 40 years against Israel. The first one was Vespasian. We spoke about him. He became the emperor of, of, of Rome later on. He sent Titus, which also later on became the emperor, took over. He destroyed Jerusalem. He took captive many of the city of Jerusalem. And there is even a triumphal arc uh, designated to Titus in the city of Rome. And we had the privilege to see that arc with our own eyes just a few years ago. And then there was a third emperor, his name was Hadrian, and he was uh, quenching what was called the Bar Kokhba revolt. And Jewish writers and also historians agree that during that time, some 2.4 million Jews have been killed by the Romans. Many of them, they have been there, those who survived, they've been taken captives to the city of Rome and across the Roman empires. 
but two thirds of them have been killed, around 2.4 million, even uh, some of the historical uh, um, articles on that fact and Wikipedia, you can, you can find it there also, are reporting about that. Two thirds are uh, perished of a, of a population that was at that time around 3.8 million people. As a matter of fact, uh, Josephus Flavius again, he tells us that this devastation by the Romans was so horrible that uh, they crucified thousands and thousands and thousands of Jews during the conquest of those Roman officers and generals, that uh, there was no wood left anymore in the city of Jerusalem. And God says, these are times of judgment, Jesus said it, in order to fulfill what was prophesied by the prophets. Secondly, what is also is important in this passage, remember, we are speaking about, Levit, uh, about uh, Luke chapter 21, Luke chapter 21, verses uh, 20 and the followings. He says, uh, he gives us an amazing time limit of this time of judgment and of this time of, um, of, of um, the Lord calls it the, the, the season of the vengeance of the Lord. And, um, and then he says here, and this is quite in interesting, verse 24, they will fall by the edge of the sword. They will be led captives among many nations. I shared with you about that, how the Romans took them captives all across the Roman Empire. As a matter of fact, what I learned when I was in Rome a number of years, I believe, Barry, you might have been with us during that time. Um, what was quite interesting, what I learned, what I didn't know, the Colosseum in Rome, the tour guide was telling us, was built by those Jewish slaves that were brought back by Titus to the city of, of, of Rome. It says, Jerusalem will be fall by the edge of the, store, of the sword. They will be left captives among the nations. And then it says, listen very carefully, it says, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. He says two important things there. Uh, he says there is a, a time limit of this season of judgment or the season of the, which uh, Jesus calls the day of vengeance. He says this will be lasted as long as Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles and then until the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. Now, Jerusalem being trampled underfoot by the Gentiles, this was fulfilled in history, again, in great detail. We read about the uh, history of Jerusalem, how the Romans captured the city. The, the Roman Empire later on divided. It became the part of the Byzantine Empire. They controlled the city of Jerusalem. Then there uh, was the Arab conquest and the Mohammed, but, uh, or maybe one generation after Mohammed, they built the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mount. Then was a short episode of Christian occupation by the Crusaders. They killed many people. It was a, a rule of bloodshed over the city of Jerusalem. Then we had a short episode of a people group that were called the Mamelukes. You could call those Mamelukes. They were uh, slaves that were set free and came to power. And then in the uh, 15th, 16th century, the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire, took charge of this region for almost 400 years until it was uh, under, became under control in First World War of the British. 
And then in 1947-48, when the state of Israel was established, Jerusalem in particular, the old city, was divided in the very heart of Jerusalem, the old city, the Temple Mount, all those places, the city of David, the Mount of Olives, they came under Jordanian control. And it was absolutely right what Jesus says, this nation was trampled down by the Gentiles uh, for all those centuries, until until, and please put down this in your calendars, until in May 1967, May 1967, uh, a young officer of the Israeli army, it was in the course of the Sixth Day War, which was basically only a battle of survival. But in the very last days of this war, a young officer called Motigur came to the prime minister and to the chief of staff. He says, this is our golden opportunity to take the city of Jerusalem. And he liberated with his paratroopers the city of Jerusalem. And for the first time in 2000 years, Jerusalem was not trampled down by the nations anymore. And listen very carefully, this is a significant date in the end time plan of God, because Jesus himself, he says about the end times, one of the great signs is that Jerusalem will stop to be trampled down by the nations. It is the time when the time of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. That is a very interesting passage that relates to that in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 11. Uh, Romans chapter 11, Paul speaks about the salvation of the Jewish people, the hope that he has about the Jewish people. And he says there, there in verse 25, lest you be wise in your own sight. Romans 11, 25, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And he puts it in different terms. He doesn't put it in geographical terms about Jerusalem and a city, but he put it in a spiritual term. And he was referring to the prophecy of Isaiah 6, where the, where the prophet Isaiah was commanded by the Lord. He says, you're going to speak to a nation that will not hear, that will not see, that whose heart will be made heavy. And also there, I encourage you to read this in Isaiah chapter 6. There is also a time limit. The prophet asked, until when will this going to take place? Until when will the Jewish people not see uh, the, the glory of the Lord and the Messiah? He was referring here, Paul, in Romans chapter 11 to this very thing. He says, there's a partial hardening that came upon Israel. And here again it is, until the time of the Gentiles have been fulfilled or until the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. And you know, if you look at this last 2000 years when Jerusalem was desolated by the nations, where the nations conquered and, and controlled the city of Jerusalem, the one thing that characterized the church was that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the God of Israel, the knowledge of the God of the Bible went like a wildfire all over the world, even to the very last place of this world. And Jesus says, if this is, has been reached, uh, 
Paul, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. In another way, he says, and the gospel of this kingdom shall be preached in every nation to every ethnos. He says, every people group of this world, then the end will come. That means we are living today in absolutely exciting times. These are times where we need to be in absolute alert because God is going to change things. And we will speak about that right now. It is a season that is coming that is unprecedented in human history. Therefore, the number one reason why I'm sharing with you why we should bless Israel is number one, the day to bless the Jewish people has arrived. It has arrived in God's end time calendar, you want you can say. And I want to uh, have you listen to a passage. This is a Psalm 120. And I hope my colleague who I ask here to read it for us is doing a good job. And maybe uh, Kilari or, or Barry, if you can give me a thumbs up, if you can hear it well. Our dear friend is reading to us Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me. In the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as in horror. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I am like a pelican of the wilderness. I am like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. Mine enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of thine indignation and thy wrath. For thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth. I am withered like grass. But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever, and thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones, and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. What a powerful uh, prophetic psalm that is. And I'm not sure how you felt when, I heard, when you heard the reading of that passage where he, where he speaks there. He says, you know, my days pass away like smoke. My bones, they burn like a furnace. My bones cling to my flesh. And then later on, he, say, he says, uh, I feel like a, a sparrow on the house on the housetop. I eat ashes like bread, and I, my, I mingle my tears with my drink. When I was reading this, whenever I read this passage, my mind and my memory uh, automatically goes back to the images of the Holocaust, of the of the destruction and murder machines of Auschwitz, where literally the Jewish people went up like smoke into heaven when the Shoah took place and the greatest catastrophe took place in the history of the Jewish people. 
And then it says here, in those times when all this is placed, and when you see those images where their skin is uh, sitting on their, on their bones, like uh, uh, you can see every bone in their body because they didn't eat enough. They are emacinating because of starvation. He says, in this time, suddenly there's this ray of hope coming where the Lord says, but you, O oh Lord, you are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout generation. You will arise to have pity on Zion or favor on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. And this word is very powerful. The Hebrew word, the appointed time, is the Hebrew word for moed. It is used for the Jewish festivals, Passover, Sukkot, Shavuot, Pentecost, Passover, and the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also used for the Sabbat, Shabbat, where they are called the appointed times of the Lord, the appointed feasts of the Lord. You could translate this word, it says, like a, a fixed calendar entry in the diary of the heavens, where the Lord says there will come an appointed time. It looks hopeless. It looks devastating. It looks that there is no hope for the Jewish people. But it says, behold, the appointed time has come. It's time to, to favor science. The Lord built up Zion with his glory. And then it says later on, the Lord will appear in his glory. And to make it clear for which time this is written, that this was not for the time when the uh, psalmist was writing that psalm. He says, this will be recorded for a generation that is yet to come. He says, this is a prophetic word of the Lord. There will come a time of darkness where the people, Jewish people, they will pass away like smoke and it looks so dark and hopeless. But the Lord says, but after that, he says, the set time to favor Zion has come. And this is such a powerful declaration. You see this, uh, this sequence where the Lord says, um, there will come difficult times, but then I will restore it, restore you in many passages. You see this in Jeremiah chapter 30, where the Lord declares, I'm going to restore Zion. And he says, I will do this in the following way. There will be the time of Jacob's trouble, but then I will tell the nations, bring my people back to their land. And Ezekiel chapter 37, very similar, where he sees those dry bones that are so hopeless, where the Lord asked the prophet, is there any hope for those bones? Do you think they can be restored? And the, the prophet himself doesn't have the faith. He says, I don't know really, you know it. And then he says, prophesy to those bones. And suddenly what looks impossible became possible. The Lord is assembling a gigantic army that came out of the ashes of the Holocaust. And then later to make me very clear, he says, this are the people of Israel. Behold, I'm going to open their graves and they will return from a absolute time of darkness back to the land of Israel and I will build them and I will have favor on Zion. And brothers and sisters, I can't put it with greater, with, with more emphasis to you. 
if there was a time in human history where the Lord is calling the, to bless the Jewish people, where the Lord is calling the church to stand at the side of Israel, it is absolutely this time in which we are living in. It's like a herald uh, call, like a trumpet call that is going through the nations where the Lord says, the set time to favor Zion has come. I was speaking the other day to one of the mega pastors in Asia. I didn't want to mention the name of the city where he's ministering. And I asked him, he says, Pastor, what is the program in your church? How, what are you doing practically in, in order to bless the Jewish people? And I was so saddened by the repi reply that I received from him where he says, Brother Jürgen, he says, you don't know the vastness of our ministries. We just don't have the time to bless Israel. And I thought, well, what a sign of misreading the times in which we are in. The Lord says there comes a time to favor Zion, a set time, an appointed time in the calendar of God. Of God and the Lord says, you better take notice. And there are two more things that I would like to add in this time of to favor Zion. The Bible is very practical how this is taking place. If you go to Isaiah chapter 49, Isaiah chapter 49, um, the Lord is telling us exactly how, uh, what, what is the relevance of this set time of this restoration of Israel to the Gentile nations. We see we, we, we come out of the time or we are still at the last decades maybe of the time of the Gentiles where people, God's salvation call is going all over the world while he's still calling people into his kingdom. But there is another call to the Gentiles and we read this in Isaiah chapter 49 uh, where the Lord says here, um, it's a very powerful passage. Thus says the Lord, I behold, I will lift up my hand to the nations, or you could say to the Gentiles. This is everybody who is not Jewish. I will lift up my hand to the nations. I will raise my signal to the peoples, and they shall bring your sons and daughters on their arms. Your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens, your nursing mothers. When their, face, when their faces to the crown, with their faces to the crown, they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet. And then you will know that I am the Lord. There will come a time, the Lord says, and I believe these are exactly the times in which we are living in, where the Lord says, I'm lifting up my banner, a standard to the nation. I will put a signal out to the people around the world. That means God is trying to get the attention of the world around the world. And what is written on that banner? What is written on those signal? I think it's a very simple message what you can read on this banner, on this signal that the Lord is putting up on a very high mountain that all the nations can see it. Remember last time we spoke about, or two weeks ago, about the Smith theologian who says, you don't have to be a prophecy expert anymore. You can read it in the newspaper, the set time to favor Zion has come. I believe on those panels it is written, the set time has arrived. Arise and have mercy on Zion. And this is the call that God puts out to the church. And he says, you're the nations, the Gentile people, they shall bring your sons on their arms and your daughters on their shoulders. 
And let me tell you, this happened just yesterday evening. You could read it today in the Israeli news, in Hebrew newspapers, that yesterday Gentiles from around the world brought another 20 Jews from France to make Aliyah back to the land of Israel. You could read it yesterday in the newspapers, even here in Israel, that the Lord is restoring Zion, that the set time has come, and that the Gentile church is uniting with the purposes of God to bring the Jewish people back to their homeland. And I want to invite you, wherever you are, wherever you are listening to this message, become part of this group that puts it down in your own calendar. Say, Lord, show me what I can do in those exciting times to restore Zion, to be take a place uh, and to, to be a part of this great endeavor. There's one more passage that I would like to read to you in that context. The context of the set time has come. And we read this here in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 10. Go through, go through the gates. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 10. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Again, here it is. Lift up a signal over the people. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed it to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. It's quite amazing what the prophet Isaiah here says. He says, There will come a day where there will be a proclamation even to the ends of the earth. And the message to the ends of the earth is the following. It gives them a command. He gives them a task. He speaks to the end of the earth. Now you might wonder what exactly are the ends of the earth? Who are those people at the ends of the earth? And there are certain regions, which it's quite amazing to see that today, where you can really say, uh, these are the ends of the earth. I was there in one of those places just two years ago with my dear wife, Vesna, and we were going up to Lapland. The Arctic Circle, it's a place where you cannot travel anymore much further. We were in one of the most northern cities of uh, Finland, and we were declaring them at the ends of the earth, up on the very northern top of our world. I declared them, I said, behold, the Lord has proclaimed to you at the ends of the earth, and he gives you a task. He says, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Another place where you can go to the ends of the earth, this is um, my travel agent one day uh, called me. I was planning a flight to Fiji for one of our branch conferences there in Fiji. And I never asked her, I never forget when she called me, her name is Ora. And she says, Jürgen, I need some information. When you are in Fiji, I was flying there through Thailand. I see we have some people there from Thailand. I was preaching in a church in Bangkok. And then I continued to Australia. And then as the last stop, I ended up in the Fiji. Fiji Islands. And then she says, Jürgen, now when you want to fly back, how do you want to fly back? Do you want to fly the same way back to, through Australia? Or should I take you through Los Angeles? Because she says, it's the same distance. And then it dawned to me that those Pacific Islands there in the midst of the ocean, you could say in the midst of nowhere, tiny specks on the ocean of the Pacific Ocean, these are, if you are looking from Israel dir directly diagonal through our planet, you cannot travel any further than those islands. And let me tell you today, 
The Fijian church today is one of the strongest Israel supporting churches in the world. Let me tell you, the Finnish church right there at the very top, the Norwegian church, which even goes a little bit further up north to a city called Spitsbergen, uh, one of the most northern cities in the world. Those two nations, they are listening exactly to this call. They speak to Israel. They bless Israel. They are standing up in order to stand with the Jewish people. And what this means is that the restoration of Israel is not something that God is doing in private with his people. But when this time to favor Zion arrives, God makes it an issue of the global church. He says, listen, all you nations. Put up a standard, make sure everybody hears it, everybody sees it. The Lord is restoring Zion. The Lord is changing his way, how he's dealing with Israel. The set time to favor Zion has come. And I want to encourage you, even if you never did anything to bless the Jewish people, pray today that the Lord will show you ways how to how you can do that. And of course, as Christian Embassy, we are always there for you to give you an extended arm here in the land of Israel. So the first reason for today is the set time to favor Zion has come. Number two, and equally important, and it's very related to what I just shared with you, he said, we, we, we read in the prophets of old that there is coming a paradigm shift in the way how God is dealing with Israel. And one of the most powerful ways, uh, passages that describe that is in the prophet Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 8, and we read there verses 11 to 15. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 11 to 15, and I'm reading from here, but now... I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in former days, declares the Lord of hosts. For there shall be a sowing of peace, the wine shall give its fruit, the ground shall give its produce, the heavens shall give their dew. And I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And you, as you have been a byword and a cursing among the nations, the house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. But let your hands be strong. For thus says the Lord of hosts, verse 14, as I purposed to bring disaster to you when your fathers provoked me to wrath and did not relent, says the Lord, so again, when I have purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak truth to one another. And this is quite a powerful passage, and, and it might be even as a little bit irritating to some believers, because the Lord is telling us, he is announcing to us very clearly that he is going to change his ways, how he is dealing with Israel. He says, for thus says the Lord, as I have purposed to bring disaster upon you. Remember the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 21. These are the days of recompense. These are the days of my vengeance. As the prophets foretold when he scattered them to all the people. And he says, as much as I have purposed to bring disaster to you. Remember Jeremiah 16 speaks even about double penalty they received. He says, in the same way how I purpose to judge you, 
I have purposed in a relentless love, I have purposed to restore you and to do good to Jerusalem and to restore you. That means you could put it in our language today, the Lord is shifting gears with the Jewish people. And it's not just, just shifting gears from first gear to second or third gears, but he's sh radically shifting gears. You can say he's shifting from reverse gear to forward gear, from curse to blessing, from devastation to building up, from uh, scattering them, from to ingather them back to the land of Israel. Now, why do I tell you that? It is so important for us because if the Lord is changing his ways with Israel, it is about time for the church to change their ways also. I say it again. If the Lord is changing his ways, how he's dealing with the Jewish people, how he starts now over the last 100 years to restore them, to bring them back to their homeland, then it is at absolutely the time where also the church needs to wake up and to be part of what God is doing, and they too need to change their ways in regard to Israel. I want to put it in the following way, maybe, you know, over this last few hundred years, it was maybe very difficult to, to say, to see the purposes of God with the Jewish people. You saw them scattered around the world. You have seen how the Lord is, uh, um, how, how the Lord is judging the people of Israel. Just one second, please. And today, I believe you don't need to be a prophecy expert. You don't need a, to be a great eschatology theologian. Like Karl Barth said, you can read it in the newspaper. The Lord is changing his way with, his, way with Israel. He's moved from a season of, of vengeance and judgment into a season of blessing them and restoring them. And that means we need to partner with God with what God is doing. If God is involved with something, we, the church, need to be involved as well what he is doing. He is changing his ways, so the church today needs to change their ways. And that's a call for all the churches, all the pastors, all the believers who never thought about doing something about the Jewish people. Let me tell it very clearly today here from Jerusalem, and I believe it's a prophetic word from the Lord. It is time for the church to change their ways in regard to the Jewish people, to arise, to see it's the time to favor sign a paradigm shift in the way how God is dealing with Israel. And we need this paradigm shift also in the global body of Christ, that we see what God is doing, that we are like the sons of Issachar, understanding the times and season in which we are, and that we act accordingly and say, Lord, what can we do in order to support what you are doing with the Jewish people? And you know, there are many passages where you can see this paradigm shift. Uh, you will receive again the notes, those of you who are writing us, but you can see this in chapter 43, 27 to 44, verse 2, where it says, I have judged you, but now I'm going to restore you. 54, 7 and 8, a very similar passage. One of my favorite passages is Isaiah chapter 61, this beautiful prophecy where the Lord speaks, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to comfort those who mourn in Zion. And he's outlining this beautiful and powerful uh, exchange program where the Lord is says, I'm doing a new thing with you. The spirit of the Lord is resting upon me and we will do new things. Now listen to that. I want to read it to you. 
Isaiah chapter 61, it's the year of the Lord's favor, of the Lord's favor, or like Psalm says, the set time to favor Zion has come. He says, the spirit is upon me to comfort all those who, who mourn, to give them beautiful ashes, to beautiful headdresses instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, praise instead of a faint spirit and instead of your shame you shall be a double receive a double portion and instead of your dishonor they will rejoice over their lot that means god announced it in so many passages there's going to be a radical change how i'm going to deal with israel and again it is the time also where the church needs to change recognize it and act accordingly now, the very last point that I want to read to you is from Isaiah chapter 40. And this is the very uh, mandate that the Lord gave the Christian embassy 40 years ago when we have been established. And we have been faithful as much as possible to this world since the last 40 years. And we will stay faithful to this world also in the decades to come by the grace of God. It says here in Isaiah chapter 40, comfort Comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, cry out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and that she received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. Comfort the people, the people of Israel, the Lord says. I will come to that in a second, but you see here at the context. He says, with this comforting of the Jewish people, he places it in the right context. He says, there is a message combined with it. He says, it's a new season. The time to favor of Zion has come. He says, your warfare has ended. Not any more difficulties, not any more prosecution, not any more scattering, but ingathering, building up, blessing, overflow. And then it says, because she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sin. Remember, this was one of the first passages we read today in Jeremiah chapter 16, where the Lord says, I'm going to have her charged uh, for her sins in a double way. And there's much which could be said about that, why he did that, and in which way this expressed itself. But he says, there is a calling to people to comfort Israel, to speak to the heart of Jerusalem, and to declare to Jerusalem, it's a new season. God is not anymore in judgment mode, but he's rebuilding you. And he's calling to a people group to stand alongside Israel. The rabbis agree, and most theologians agree, that this command is not given to the Jewish people, but an outside group that is called by the Lord to get alongside the Jewish people, to put their arms around the people of Israel and to tell them, we are with you, we love you, we believe in your destiny, we believe that the best times of your destiny is still laying ahead of you, to comfort Zion in Jerusalem. This is the mandate that the Lord gave to ICJ. Now, the third point here is that in this passage, the grammatical form is very clear. It speaks in, a, in command form, in a plural. It is an infinitive, if you want to look at in the, uh, and, and, uh, have the, um, um, the, the grammatical term. It's not an imperative, not the infinitive, the imperative form of the word. Is used. It's the command form. That means the Lord is telling us not, 
He says, listen, brother, wherever you are living, maybe you should think about it. Maybe you should pray about it. I want you to have start a discussion group about it and maybe consider that term about comforting the people. What does it mean for you? Should we do it? Should we not do it? The Lord is very clear. He commands us to comfort Israel. The creator of the heavens and earth commands the church of Jesus Christ today. He says, you don't have a choice. I'm commanding you. I want you to comfort the Jewish people. We are those, remember Isaiah 61, we are those who receive the spirit of the Lord, the comforter. Jesus called him the comforter. And I have believed, therefore, it is for those who receive the spirit of comfort that the Lord called in those days, in this set time, in the time when the Lord is changing his way with Israel, where he calls us and where he commands us to comfort Zion. And with this, I want to close. And this is not a suggestion of the Lord. This is not an idea maybe to think about if you have still time in your church program, if you still have time in your private life to do something with Israel. This is not a suggestion of the Lord. The Lord commands us to do it. It means we need to be obedient and we need to say, Lord, please show me how we can do it. And this is why we are blessing Israel. The first reason today was it's the set time, this time to favor Zion has come, the time which God, before the foundation of the earth, put in his diaries, this time has arrived. Secondly, God is changing his way with Israel. He is reversing his ways, moving from judgment into blessing. That means we also need to reverse our ways with Israel. We need to start blessing them. And thirdly and lastly, because of the importance of the days in which we are living, the Lord commands us, says, I want you, imperative, plural, you, the church, I want you to rise up, have mercy on Zion. I want you to comfort the Jewish people. May the Lord help us in doing that. God bless you. Back to you, Barry. Amen, amen. Lord, Jürgen, thank you for that. And before we close, I want to ask everybody just to pray with me that the Lord pour out his mercy on the church and wake the church up to this command to bless Israel. So, Father, we do cry out for mercy upon the church, and yet the presence of your Holy Spirit to bring conviction that it is your command to bless Israel. And as your children, the redeemed of you by your blood, Lord, you command us to bless Israel. Let our obedience reflect and give to you the glory that your sacrifice on the cross deserves. In Jesus' name, amen. Jürgen, thank you for that. Again, for all of you, if you need the notes, um, do send an email to icej at icej.org. And by this time next week, we will have the complete notes from all three sessions ready to go. And on behalf of all of us here from the Christian Embassy, we wish you Shabbat Shalom and may the peace of our Lord Jesus be upon you. Amen. And I want to create also, I've seen, I look at the attendees list, there's a big delegation again from mainland China with us, and I want to create them. And I want to assure you all, wherever you are living, the ICJ, we are praying for you. We prayed yesterday in our global prayer gathering. We know there is a heavy flooding going on, and you are in our minds, and we pray for you. And we ask you also, of course, to pray for us here in Jerusalem. God bless you.